Hello, my name is Miranda Ashby-Wood, publisher at the BIR, and today I'm with Dr. Lawrence Dower, Associate Attending Physicist and Corporate Radiation Safety Manager at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Centre, New York, USA. He also currently serves on the Board of Directors for the National Council on Radiation Protection and Measurements in the US. Today, we'll be discussing the topic behind his recent BJR review on the evolution of radiation protection for medical workers, which is part of our anniversary article series celebrating BJR's 125th anniversary as the oldest radiological journal in the world. So firstly, thank you for joining me today and for contributing such an interesting article to our journal. Medical uses of ionizing radiation have increased substantially over time, especially in the last decade or so. Could you tell us more about the history of radiation protection, perhaps focusing on when X-rays were first discovered? Absolutely, Miranda. The early evolution of radiation protection in medicine proceeded in a cyclical manner through concentrated nodes of scientific activity with discovery leading to application, followed by hazard recognition, and then along with the need for control with protective measures. And finally, optimization of usefulness, uh, as well as protection. Rankin discovers the x-rays in 1895, and Becquerel subsequently discovers penetrating x-rays emitted from salts of uranium. And his discovery prompted Marie and Pierre Curie to separate enough radium from tons of pitchblende ore to verify its existence as a newly discovered element, radium, in 1902. And as each of these discoveries progressed, immediate public fascination and interest in the properties of radiation followed, as did its use in medicine with subsequent widespread and enthusiastic applications in both imaging and therapy, several most likely uncritically at first. There are early attempts to treat things like lupus and ringworm or what were called exuberant growths at the time, tuberculosis, epitheliomas, port wine stains, some cancers, and of course, other maladies. At the same time, X-ray and radium euphoria was rampant in the popular culture. Just take a look at some of the historical news, news and magazine articles at the time. Fascination and commercial interest, though, often resulted in spectacle science with no apparent initial management of the associated hazards. And that unrestrained use of x-rays sometimes led to frank injuries that were not initially attributed to exposure. Brilliant, thank you. That's really interesting. X-rays were used significantly during World War I and World War II. Can you describe, if any, the protective measures put in place for medical workers then? Sure. Although x-rays had already, and this is a very interesting part of history, x-rays had already been used in several battlefield theaters prior to World War I. The war to end all wars, though, saw widespread x-ray application. Marie Curie herself was very involved in the development and use of such equipment during the war. X-ray use was further precipitated in about 1913 by the development of the hot cathode tube of Coolidge that provided a stable X-ray beam. Following significant World War I exposures of X-ray operators and radiologists, acute injuries of the skin and eyes, as well as cases of leukemia and aplastic anemia were reported in the medical worker population. 
And in light of that growing evidence, several national and international professional X-ray and radiation societies were formed. And they began to develop guidelines for protecting X-ray operators and medical staff. The suggestions concentrated on very pragmatic protection practices. They included the use of shielding and collimation, avoiding direct and scattered operator exposures, and taking care around electrical hazards which was a major concern at the time, as you can well imagine. There was still a need for standardizing the measurement of dose, and during the interwar period, the concepts of both dose and its measurement were elaborated and expanded upon by Bragg and Gray. And a system of dose limitation for workers was initiated by most of the professional organizations. The protection concerns surrounding the development of the atomic bomb during World War II and prior, added new dimensions, both qualitatively and quantitatively, to occupational radiation protection. The era saw the development of radiation protection, or what we now call medical health physics, as a science in its own right. At the same time, the potential for medical worker radiation exposures expands significantly with the development of high-voltage X-ray production devices like the Betatron and, and eventually linear accelerators, and the availability of reactor-produced high-activity radioactive isotopes for therapeutic purposes. That's great. So how has radiation protection changed over time since then? Well, Miranda, following the wars, radiation protection challenges parallel the ongoing technological advancements in medicine. So as medicine progressed, so did radiation protection. Along the way, important standardization was necessary and forthcoming from the professional societies, especially the International Committee on Radiological Protection and the National Council on Radiation Protection and other national bodies. Those groups continue today to produce specific guidance and recommendations associated with patients, workers, and the public under the key principles of justification, optimization, and the use of dose constraints. Justification is concerned with the right choice to use radiation in that no practice or scan shall be adopted unless its introduction produces a net positive benefit. Optimization ensures that the right dose is used and that exposures are kept as low as reasonably achievable. In medicine, there's this constant vigilance to maintain the right balance of the lowest doses that provide the appropriate needed image quality or therapeutic outcome for the patient while maintaining patient and operator doses as low as reasonably achievable. What are the main challenges to protecting staff against ionizing radiation in the clinic today? Well, Miranda, in the past, Protection of staff and patients improved with the use of personal protective equipment, developments in the accuracy and quality of radiation instrumentation, individual radiation dosimetry, and of course, ongoing improvements in safer imaging and equipment design and operations. Dose control was significantly improved by a more in-depth understanding of dosimetry for low energy x-rays and the introduction of quality assurance procedures. Today, there's an increasing use of radioactive materials in diagnostic imaging, especially positron emission tomography, multimodality imaging, nuclear medicine imaging, as well as therapy, 
and an increasing use and complexity of fluoroscopically guided interventions that have emphasized the potential for staff exposure and the requirement for ongoing development of appropriate safe practices. Brilliant, thank you. The history of radiation uses in medicine is a remarkable story that spans three centuries of innovations and applications. So lastly, before we end this podcast, can you tell us how you see radiation protection evolving in the future? Well, the early euphoria and unlimited enthusiasm of radiation as the cure for all maladies was certainly quelled as there was a greater understanding of adverse health consequences occurring among medical radiation workers and patients. The international and national medical organizations responded, radiation protection committees were created, radiation protection guidance was recommended, and radiation exposure and dose quantities were defined. Radiation protection guidance evolved and continues to do so today, ensuring the safe application of beneficial medical radiation. Ongoing partnerships with medical radiological societies, government agencies, and manufacturers remains critical. In addition, new health studies continue to emerge, including historical studies of medical radiation worker populations that need to be expanded and followed up into the future. At the same time, new health benefits for patients are recognized, both in the diagnostic and the therapeutic applications in radiology and oncology. The use of these invisible rays is indeed improving the health of individuals and curing many maladies. The radiation protection community is at the ready to assess new knowledge on potential health risks, to provide guidance as needed to avoid adverse consequences, while continuing to facilitate these important patient benefits. That's really interesting. Thank you, Lawrence. It's been a pleasure speaking with you about your review on the evolution of radiation protection for medical workers, which is part of BJR's 125th anniversary article series. Thank you.